All right. When we begin our class today, there's a lot of things in here. We got to, again, I want you to be reminded of the fact that James is writing to these dispersed Jews who are really struggling. And you have to understand this era in which people were used to being in control of somebody else. Being landowners, the wealthy who were landowners who didn't live in a culture like us, but they lived in a culture in an era where people were dependent upon the wealthy. If you've been reading through the scriptures, you, you remember even in the Old Testament where they said, when you harvest, don't, don't harvest all of it. Leave the edges. Leave what falls on the ground for the poor or for the foreigner. Take care of them. Make sure they're taken care of. The same thing with grapes. You know, don't go through and pick every grape. I mean, come on. Don't be so stingy. Leave it for the poor so they can afterwards come after you and glean it so that you can provide. And we, we even see that in the beautiful story of Esther. And, you know, we, we see what goes on and how God blesses and uses that. And so as God blesses you, one of the great things that God tries to communicate with all of us, okay, and wherever we're at, and everything is relative, okay? Wealth is relative. And oftentimes, what we perceive ourselves is we, we start thinking of somebody else who has more than we do. Only view this message today in relationship to yourself, because otherwise, you can start sticking it to the man, if you will. You know, it's like, yeah, I, you know, I don't like anybody who's got more than me. And then it becomes a wrong attitude. So when we do that, all we have to do is look at ourselves and ask ourselves this question. Am I a generous follower of Jesus? Am I generous? It, there's, there's all different types of giving, but are you generous? As, or, or do we, unfortunately, how do, you, how do you live in a culture and a society where you have a television program called Hoarders? Now, obviously, that is a, an addiction. That's, a, that's an issue that needs to be addressed by counselors and psychologists, etc., who can help them. And I've seen those individuals here in this city and in the community. And it's, it's, it's sad when you go in because it is a, it's a dangerous and difficult situation for, even for them. But as we go into this lesson today, it's, he's really harsh. James really addresses something very strong here. He says, now listen, you rich people. Now again, if you know the scriptures, there's nothing wrong with being rich. But it's how you got wealthy. Do we take advantage of people to get ourselves in our financial status? Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Hello. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look. The wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So in other words, today's lesson is about misusing what we have. Misusing people in particular. Okay? Have you ever been taken advantage of by someone? Now, in reality, these, these first four points here, A, B, C, and D, 
would be great if we had the time this morning to literally sit around the table and have a meaningful conversation about each one of these, okay? Do some people, for example, have a natural or learned ability to make money? Some people do, and there's others. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's like it's like um, some people say I've got a you know, person has a green thumb, and some say I've got a black thumb. Everything I touch dies, you know. And I get that too. So we live through that culture, we live through that society. But some people tend to have a, a way of making money where others don't. But why or why not? Why do they or why not? I think you've kind of said, yeah, some people seem to have that. Why? Yeah. Do you believe God gives, if you give the church and are you generous to people, God gives you, enhances your ability to make money? Yes and no. <laughs> In other words, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And he might use even though you are a channel of blessing to others, he may use your difficulty or poverty, not inability to have. He says, I've never seen the, the, the righteous forsaken. Okay, we don't beg for bread when you've been that way. You will be taken care of. But does that mean you're going to get rich? The answer is no. Does God bless you to get rich? No. God has a plan for every person. For some, he creates the ability to make wealth. Others, he may choose to do something else in their life, to be an example to someone who needs it. Maybe they go through suffering. And the, the one thing that I think it's the most difficult for this class or any, in the Christian life in general, please don't think of Christianity from an American perspective. Don't think of the Bible from an American perspective. Okay? For example, there are people in India or in China who are living in poverty, who God has blessed. But they're in a situation where they can't become wealthy like we are, or whatever the case may be. There are situations where, obviously, I don't want to have an American perspective regarding the Bible and its truths. But in this situation here, there's a culture, there's a people that says, okay, I, I'm going to have something here. Yeah, how could people take advantage of these displaced Jewish Christians? Think about this. And I've known Christians in our own community who have started businesses, hired employees, and didn't pay them. While they had a home at Smith Mountain Lake and had their home here. But they said because they were going through financial difficulty, we can't pay you right now, but we'll get it to you as soon as we can. And their business eventually shut down many, many years ago. Multiple years ago. Okay? But nevertheless, they're... How can people do that? How can people take advantage of somebody else? It's like hiring somebody to work for you. You know exactly what they're going to charge you. And then you go, oh, man, I just, I don't have it with me right now. I'll get it to you as soon as I can. How can people do that? I'm going to say, let me make this not rhetorical real quick. How can people do that? Right. Uh, and for years, 
Right. And it was all for that, like I said, either fame or money, what was driving that? Right. Anybody else? I think at the end of the day, it's always selfishness. You chose your, you chose your own ambitions or whatever over Christ and doing the right thing. And I think, unfortunately, because of that, we are temporal-minded at times. People can be temporal-minded as if this is all there is. We, we believe in eternity, but eh, I'm not 100% sure. I think so. I'm, I'm hoping so. Going to heaven, it's going to be great. But you know what? I, what I do know is right now, and I want to be happy now. And that's why I said last week, God doesn't call us to be happy. He calls us to be holy. Yeah. You know? So how are people taken advantage of by someone through money? And why do people take advantage of others? Why and how can money change people? I mean, think through those things for a second. Okay. We can take advantage of people through money through a variety of ways, and I've already mentioned some of those. You know? But how do we do it? Is it, let me ask this question, is it the bottom line? Is it the bottom line? Do the ends justify the means? And do we care? Is it wrong to take advantage? First Timothy 6.10, someone read that for me. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with See, they wandered from the faith. In other words, they were followers. They were in the faith. But because of money, they're grieving themselves and wander away from the faith itself because of what it does to us. Money can change people. And it can happen instantly, overnight. It can happen at the death of a family member. It can happen through a variety of different issues that we're faced with. Then what do we do with this? And how do we respond is it fair? And all of these kinds of things start coming into play. I, my dad had, used to have a sign. And he, they had a small little trailer down by a lake. And he had a sign sitting there. He says, I'm spending my kid's inheritance. And basically he did. That was, it was like, good for him. You know? Um, thankfully, his kids didn't need it. But, you know, the bottom line was, you know, some people, you know, like, they begin fighting over those kinds of things, those kinds of details. James 5, 1 to 3, I've already read this to you. We should have an eternal perspective on wealth, okay? Because everyone is created in God's image, okay? Why should a person care about how we treat people? Because every person is created in the image of God. You're going to hear me say this probably if you stay in this class a couple more years, Lord willing, if the creek don't rise, you know, uh, or the uh, government politicians don't rise. That everyone's creating the image of God and how we treat people matters. How we treat people is a direct reflection of how we view God's image and God himself. And everything. So when we're talking about, hey, do I take advantage of somebody because they're ignorant? Because they don't know better? Or because they're desperate and they're willing to pay work for that think about that is it right when you go to a restaurant and you're served by someone to not leave a tip because you're not necessarily happy with 
their service. They didn't come up to your expectation. What does that mean? Uh, you know, and how much, you know, it's, or we paid the person that mows our lawn, not the company, but an individual, but hey, they're going through a tough time. I'll throw them a token 20 when we would have had to pay 75 for a service or something like that. Uh, what do we do? You know, or or like, the, like the Dennis the Menace cartoon, standing at a used car lot, and he's pulling on his dad's pant leg, and he says, hey dad, where's that lemon you were gonna sell this guy? And I've asked, uh, I've asked people at times in conversations with them when they were selling something like a car, that they knew was junk. And the person responded to me this way, if they're dumb enough to pay it, so much for them. Too bad for them. The, the think about that. I'm gonna take advantage of your ignorance to cars and their real value because you need one. And if you're dumb enough to pay it, that's your fault. Think through that. God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and over the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female created them. Every human being was created in God's image. How we treat them is how we treat God's creation. So how do we treat them? How do we treat people? How we treat people reflect our view of God's commands. Some would read Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Very familiar passage of scripture, but let's make it practical. Teacher, what is this greatest in the, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two all right. Love your neighbor as yourself. The golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So if you're in that situation, would you want to be treated that way? That's the easiest way to figure out what to do. And that's a principle that God has given through natural revelation. Because if you study the various religions of the world and ideas of the world, even Plato himself, you know, this idea filters throughout all cultures, even before the time of Christ, this idea of the golden rule, because it's a principle of truth. How we treat people is important. God's judgment comes to those who hurt people. James 5, 1 says, now listen, you rich people, weep and well because of the misery that is coming on you. In other words, there's, there's judgment coming. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So in other words, if the basis of your life is your own personal pleasure, whatever the case may be, you're doing it for that purpose. It is destructive. Money gained or used immorally will disappear. Someone read Proverbs 22, 16. When we take advantage of the poor to increase our wealth, or 
when we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Both end up leading us to poverty. So taking advantage of people and trying to make people who are wealthy like you, both, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't ultimately truly satisfy and you're not going to be gaining something by it. A person's financial choices reflect their beliefs, values, and position in Christ. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you really love people, you're not going to take advantage of them. You won't be in a situation. But imagine, these are people that have been dispersed. There's people that had wealth. But then you have all these people around you that are poor. Okay? Now, here's the danger. Right now, most of us in this room can't relate to this message in particular, personally. I mean, in reality, I mean, some of you can in some ways. And we can try to find some application to it. But let's just say, in the next 10 years, Christianity is outlawed in America. And if you're a Christian, you can't work. Some of you, and some of us, I should say, have done what we can to provide and take care of ourselves and invest for the future and, and do that. What happens when you have poverty all around you? How do you take care of your brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through a hard time? What if we experience that in our lifetime? And what would that look like? What if God called you to the mission field and you put yourself in a position financially, but you go into a culture? Then you also have to be culturally sensitive. Here's an example. Initially, I'll be going to be honest with you. I was disgusted by it because I know the heart of this person. Okay, boy, that sounds terrible. I mean, I'm really setting this thing up for a bad situation, but I understand it culturally. Okay, the person went to a third world country and hired a maid to live with them and paid her pennies. Like $50 a month to be his maid, to cook for the family, to clean, to do everything. And it was like this, this small amount of money. And, you know, and, and he was bragging about the fact that he's got this person and he's only paying her such amount of money. But I also then investigated the culture. If he would have paid her, let's just say, $500 a month, which he could have. She most likely would have been killed because someone else would have wanted that job in her place. But my point was, what's his heart in the matter? What was the person's heart? How do you how do you how do you ultimately and maybe in the long run do it quietly? How, you know, but it was like I got this person taking care of me, and I'm a missionary. I have a hard time with that. I have you know. But so you, you got to work through these things and say, what's it culturally appropriate? But at the same time, how do you bless in such a way that really meets a need without hurting them, but ultimately helping them? Where your treasure is there, where they are we also. Now, I'm not going to read this, but I, I give it here, and I thank Donna for putting this up in, in its entirety. But you know the sheep, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Okay? 
Halfway down it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance. The king who prepared for you since grace of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. You know the story. And, and he says, Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you? And he says, When you did, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I read this morning in my devotions, even if you give a cup of cold water, in his name. God sees it and blesses that. God recognizes what we do with what we have. Because it's not just what we, what we write a check for. But we're really giving a check for our life. How much time do I really invest with people? And take the time to really care for the poor. To those who really need it. Because then he says to those on his left, depart from me. And they said, Lord, when did we see you naked and hungry, thirsty, or in prison, naked, clothing? When did, you, when did you get in that situation? When you didn't do it unto the least of these, you didn't do it to me. So in other words, how we treat people is a direct correlation to how God perceives how we treat him. Now think about that dynamic for a moment. Let's make this to the practicality. Yeah, go for it. So here's my question. What do you do in a situation where people are in a situation because they continue to do the same things and sabotage and misspend and self-destruct and you give and you give and you give and you get to the point you're at the house you're, you're enabling them. Right. And they manipulate. I mean, that's, I think of this verse, I'm like, man, where's the fine line between helping someone hurt them? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And he also understands destruction. Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always. There are people that will always be in your life. And, and if you notice Jesus, he, does, he meets an immediate need. He gave him bread and sent him home. He sent him home. He's not hanging around, but people kept following him to get what he wanted. And he says, you adulterous generation, you're always looking for a sign. You always want me to do something for you. But, but, but where's your heart? And so the issue becomes when we, when we create dependency or interdependency, we're, we're doing, when we create a person, uh, we should be a safety net, not a hammock for somebody. Okay? We should be a safety net, not a hammock. But we should be able to meet people's needs, but then step back to recognize, but what do you need and create accountability? What do you need in order to survive? Yeah. Because that's where the real growth is going to happen for them as well, too. 
great. That's a great example. We meet needs as we can, but there will be those in our life that will just be there to take advantage of it. And that is unhealthy as well. We're not doing them a good service. Gary? I think uh, for the nefarious interactions and the ones where people might just be acting out of ignorance, I think we can make sure that we are prayerfully asking the Lord to show us what the person's true need is. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes their need is just money. I mean, that they're in a jam, that they, they have the right perspective with the Lord, they, they're just having a hardship, and it might be a hardship that they're trying to provide for their family. So, like, you know, they're taking someone else's hardship on them, and, and you can really be a blessing. So I think we need to you know, it's not about money. It's not about money with us. It's not about money with them. It's about needs, right? right? True needs. And I, there's something so fascinating about how Jesus could, I mean, he, he, as God, he knew what people's true need was, right? And um, he could address them. That was the amazing part. But it's like they probably forgot they asked about money, or they, you know, because they realized that he got just to the, the heart of it. Right. And that's where we pray for wisdom, get to the heart of the matter, and bring true healing. True relationship there. James gives three examples of how wealthy people took advantage of the poor. Some didn't pay their employees on time. In this culture, people got paid at the end of the day. They depended on this income to survive. God hears the prayers of the afflicted and judges righteously. Leviticus 19.13 says, Do not defraud, defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. In other words, you be responsible to take care of the need, the agreement that was made. And they weren't doing that. Clearly, they were taking advantage of people. Psalm 22, 24. Someone read that for me. For he is not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. So in other words, God hears the, the cries and the prayers of those who need him and, and their needs aren't being met. 2 Thessalonians 1 6 says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. And Proverbs 28 27, those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. So, in other words, how we take care of people, how we treat people, is at least something we need to be thinking about. Is that a part of the way we live our lives? How we take care of people. Some hoarded their wealth and became self serving. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told this parable about the rich man who had all this. He said, what do I do? I've got all this stuff. I know what I'll do. I'll build greater barns. And I'll put it all in there, you know. And I'll say to myself, self, you've got plenty for many years. Okay? Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be... Uh, demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it is it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And how are we rich toward God? How we treat other people. Okay? And that's the key. How we treat other people is vitally important. And we all need to be reminded of that. Because again, in this culture, you're taught to take it, take care of yourself. To to can all you get, and, you know, get all you can and can all you get and protect yourself and pre prepare for the future. And you know what? The bottom line is this is not our home. We're just passing through. Okay? But it's hard sometimes. Some have exploited and devastated innocent people. Let me ask this. 
for time's sake, how are people emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically impacted by poverty? What I'd like for you to do this week, today maybe, is to think through that question. And then ask yourself that, the question, what can I do to meet one of those needs? Some of you can help somebody emotionally. You can't help them financially. Some of you can help them mentally, thinking through the right things, teaching them principles. Okay? Some of you can help them spiritually, maybe get connected with their spirit, their Lord. Some can help them physically. You know, and getting them to the place where they can actually take care of themselves. A biblical approach to giving to those in need, and I close with these things. Give when you can. Okay? God blesses that. Give, do not withhold good from those to whom it's due when it's in your power to act. In other words, if they're employed for you, take care of them. Make sure you take care of them. Don't hold it back from them. Okay? Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. All right? God's love should compel us to be generous. 1 John 3.17 If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? God is honored when you give to those in need. Proverbs 14.31 Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Imagine being at this time, being a wealthy landowner, having all that you could ever want, and see people in your community that weren't working, or did work, and then you don't pay them. It was, it's crazy. But yet, that was what was happening. Imagine if they would have taken their wealth to be a blessing to those that are dispersed because of persecution. What could have happened? Them. God blesses those who give to those who cannot repay you. Luke 14, 12 and 14. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters or relatives or your rich neighbors. And let me just say this. There is nothing wrong having a luncheon or dinner with friends, brothers and sisters, relatives or rich neighbors. Okay? It's, he's not teaching against that. What he's asking is, the next statement. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. It's this whole idea of, well, I'm gonna, we're going to do this for you because I know you're going to do this for me. Looking for something in return. Yeah. What's the motive? It's not wrong to have family and friends over. What is wrong is when we're doing it with the motive of getting it something in return. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now think about that. Now think about that statement in and of itself. Who's speaking here? God. Jesus. God. And he says, although they cannot, in other words, if your heart is right, and you truly are taking care of people, and you're ministering to those people, and they can't repay you. God will take care of you at the resurrection. What we do now matters with God. 
What we do now matters. How we take care of people. And let me just say this. Sometimes it's real easy to be nice to friends, but not so nice in your own family. I can struggle with that at times. In other words, how we treat our spouse, how we treat our kids and grandkids, parents, all that is important. Don't take advantage just because. Always consider, because remember, always consider them to be value because remember, they're created in the image of God first. We treat them as the image of God. And how we treat them is how we treat God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for this time that we can spend together here this morning around your word. May your Holy Spirit continue to teach this lesson to us throughout the week. Thank you for everyone who's taken time to be here today, and I pray your blessing upon them. God, I ask that you would strengthen them, encourage them, help them in whatever endeavors they're trying to do. Give them wisdom to know how to treat family, to treat friends, to treat those that are that may be in need, and how to do so wisely. God, thank you for the wisdom we have from your word, and I pray that we'll always go to it to find truth, because you are our solid rock and foundation. Bless us as we go our separate ways and bring us back together next week, and we'll thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week.